1: Hey, what do you got there? This is the new Ping G430 Max 10K driver. It's next level. I'll tell you, it's so impressive. We all know that Ping help you play your best. I've been using them for years. I wouldn't use anything else. In fact, this new driver, it's Ping's straightest
2: and highest moment of impact driver ever. Holy moly. So on the course, what's that going to mean? How's it going to help golfers? Well, to put it simply, it means people are going
1: to be hitting longer, straighter and they're going to absolutely crack their drives off the tee. I could talk about it all day, it's that good but the best thing to do if you want to check out how impressive Ping's new G430 Max 10k driver is just book in with your local golf shop or professional to arrange a Ping club fitting and I'll see you out there with my Ping gear
0: It's 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 week 16 of the golfing calendar And live from the Australian Golf Centre, home of the PGA of Australia and Golf Australia, former World number 16 Nick O'Hearn and guest co-host covering for Mark Allen and winner of the 1999 Australian Masters, Craig Spence. This is Talk Birdie to Me.
3: Craig, you're back, mate. I it's am. Nice to have you here again. And I'm watching more golf again than I have for 15 years, mate. Because I've got to be uh, not that I'm super polished, as our listeners will find out shortly. <laughs> but uh, at least I'm watching some golf, which is uh, well, it's just good. It's one way to get you back into the game. Isn't it? It's funny. Well, you
1: do so much teaching. Um, probably the last thing you want to do is go watch golf, isn't
3: it? I'm actually my wife's away on a ho- she's holidaying in Hawaii with her best friend. I've oh, got two kids. I'm flat out, I've got to, you know, I'm, I'm soaking it <laughs> up here, but no, You're good to watch hard. a bit of golf. I actually enjoyed, and I know we're going to talk about it later, but mm. Hilton Head. Um,
1: yeah, it was a lot of fun, wasn't because it? Because there's
3: a lot of sort of vanilla golf courses on the PGA Tour, as you probably would, you know, agree um, that is not one of them. That's a special little track.
1: It sure is. It, it brings out the artistry in the game again, which is fantastic. And, and yes, we're going to talk quite a bit about that. And uh, as you can tell, listener, um, Craig Spencer is with me once again on the Talk Birdie to Me podcast. Mark Allen still, uh, still not here, but he will be back next week. Um, what an exciting week or weekend of golf, by the way, from an Australian point of view because yep. at one particular point we almost had we could have had three Australian winners on major tours around the world. Yep. We had Grace Kim, first of all. What a win for her, by the way, on the LPGA Tour playing in Hawaii, the Lottie or the Lottie Championship. I yep. can't actually – don't know how you pronounce that name. It's first win. First win on the LPGA Tour. Yeah, she won on the Epson Tour yeah. last year. And I, I don't know how much you know about Grace Kim. You know, I never really followed her amateur career because – I was still doing certain things, obviously, in the US and when I came back to Australia. But when I got into the TV commentary a couple of years ago, I saw this girl play and I thought, wow, okay, yep. this is something special right here. And then I watched her. She finished runner-up at the women's PGA at Royal Queensland to Sue O. Yep. Yep. Uh, when they played alongside the men and her game was just unbelievable. Couldn't quite close it out, which was fine. Uh, Sue played some really good golf and then I saw her in the Australian Open of Victoria just before Christmas where she had a real chance to win but again just faltered at the end and I I was wondering what's her closing skills going to be like? But then she obviously had a great year on the Epsom Tour where she won once, had a lot of good finishes, got her card through being top 10 and then in only her third start she comes through and wins in just dramatic fashion.
3: Yeah, well, birdies the last two holes and then Mm -hmm. birdies the playoff. So you've watched her play a little bit. I haven't seen a lot of her play, uh, of her golf. Mm Mm-hmm. What is it about her game that impressed you? Is she strong T to green? Very. Yeah, very solid. Probably hits it further than
1: us. Um, you yeah. know, which is well, again, not that hard anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, well. <laughs> but well, that is true. But you know, we we can still get it out there. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> off the off the tee. It's just a it's a beautiful rhythmic swing. I think she's coached by Carn Pullen uh, in um over in Sydney there. She's from the Avondale Golf Club, came through the New South Wales High Performance Program and things like that. I think she's on one of the Golf Australia Rookie Program or the Rookie Squad, as they call it. So she's getting some nice financial help there. And I've just seen her play. There's really no weakness to a game. That's Mm. the funny thing. She's got a very good short game. Her putting is outstanding. We saw that in the final holes and in the playoff, especially because she had to hole three clutch putts at the end there. I mean, the birdie she made on 17... 17 played as one of the toughest holes on this golf course. And she fired a 7 9 in there at about 8 feet, straight up the hill, bang, in the hole. Uh, a wonderful up and down out of the bunker on 18, which is a reachable par 5. And it wasn't an easy bunker shot, too. It was about a good 30 metres or so, a wow. long bunker shot. Played yep. that out to about um, 8 or 9 feet again. Rolled that in, no hesitation at all. And then in the first playoff hole, she was against uh, Yu Lu and Yu Jin Sung. Yulu was from China. Yujin Sung was from South Korea. And I think it was uh, the South Korean girl, she was playing on a sponsor's invite.
3: Right. Oh, wow.
1: Isn't oh, that amazing? That's I mean, impressive. To be invited and then all of a sudden yeah. you get a chance to win the golf tournament. Yeah, Just incredible. But in that playoff hole, after the uh, her, her uh, opponents, I guess you could say, they didn't hit great second shots. And then Grace hit the perfect drive, had this three-wood in, Admittedly, blocked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a bit of water out to the right as yep. well. So she didn't. She said afterwards that it wasn't exactly where I was aiming. Right. Uh, left herself a little uphill chip, and I thought, okay, game over right here. But to be honest, she pitched it about six foot past, and, okay. and, and left uh, left a bit of work there. But again, the putter just never looked like yep. missing.
3: Yeah. That's impressive to birdie last two, and then the playoff um, doesn't happen very often. And some other Aussies did well too.
1: And when I said earlier that we had three Australians with a chance to win on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, Brett Druitt a, took a five shot lead yep. into the final round. Uh, that was the Veritex Bank. Championship at uh, Texas Rangers Golf Club in Arlington. That's interesting. The baseball, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. My next door neighbour in the US. He used to be the general manager for the Texas. Wow! Rangers. Yeah. Did you get tickets? Uh, I used to go to the baseball a bit whenever we <laughs> were playing. Um, where were we? The Byron Nelson Tournament. Yes. Uh, whenever we were there for that, uh, I'd say, hey, uh, hey, John, um, any chance? And say, yeah. yeah. No problem. Come on over. Easy. So Yeah, it was great. I, I loved, loved the, the baseball. baseball but uh, they tore it up yeah. around there. I think Spencer Levine ended up winning, um, shot a eight under par 63, but Brett Druitt had a great chance to win his first tournament over there, over there. took a five-shot lead, unfortunately just got off to a slow start. Solo second, yep. which was awesome uh, for the 32-year-old New South Welshman. That's his fourth top five from seven starts, and that moves him to number two on the Corn Ferry Tour points list. So that is huge for
3: Brett. They go low on that tour, and so a five-shot lead sounds like, you know, for the – person listening, how do you lose from there? But they, the reality is, if the putter's not hot, mm. um, you can't keep up on that tour. They they, they just always shoot 20, 25 under yeah. it seems.
1: I found the Corn Ferry tour harder than the PGA tour. I don't right. know how you found it because I would, you know. I found them both really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair call. But, you know, by last year or so on tour over there, because I lost my full playing status. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're laughing at this. This is funny. Um, I, I would shoot 15 under par for four rounds on the Corn Ferry Tour, thinking I've played some pretty good golf. Here. Yes. That wouldn't even sniff a top 25. Absolutely. It was ridiculous. Whereas if you shoot 8 to 10 under on the PGA Tour, you're top 10. So the thing I found about those guys, and the golf courses
3: weren't that easy. I'll go you one better. Okay, I, I, go on. When I lost all status and I'm now playing mini tours in, in Arizona on the Grey Goose Tour, mm. uh, we, we, we rock up and I'm like, this place is tough, 27 under wins. <laughs> And I'm like two under, just grinding (laughs) up and down. It was a joke. It was an absolute joke. I think it suits some types of players. These golf courses, they're soft, a bit of, you know, desert on the sides doesn't bother them, and they just go for it.
1: Yeah, and funny, I mean, the mini tours, the secondary tours like Corn Ferry and like Grace Kim came through the Epsom tour last year. um, She actually said during a post-round interview that – That Epsom tour just gave her some amazing grounding for what lay ahead. Uh, Just the week in, week out of organising travel, going to a new venue, different golf course every week and adapting to all that. And year in year, I mean, you do that year in, year out. Uh, That's one of the strengths of professional golfers is you have to adapt every week to a different course that you go to. And you need that grounding almost. Some, Some players that come through qualifying school, for instance, like here in Australia, we have our qualifying school going on at the moment. The second stage is about to start. If you get your card through Q School, that's all well and good, but if you get straight out onto, the, for instance, the PGA Tour, Q School in the US used to uh, get straight out onto the PGA Tour. Now, it actually forces you to go to the Corn Ferry Tour first, and I think that's a pretty good way to do it because you learn so much more about how to become a professional golfer playing the secondary tours, the mini tours. If you get thrust out into the limelight straight away, out into the PGA Tour, yes, you get that Cinderella story every now and then, but... Most of those players that come through Q school, they tend to lose their card and have to go back to the secondary tour
0: anyway. Nick, can I ask you a question? Mm. you said previously that the mini-tours, some of the golf of the mini-tours is uh, you know, out, out of this world. Mm. And, and you, Greg, yep. you said yes. a similar thing right now. Why, why do some of those players not ever translate up into the PGA level? Why do they not always translate?
3: One of the things I was going to bring up is Aussies tend to do well when the greens get firmer and the wind gets up a bit and the courses get harder. And Americans, because they grow up in, in you know, most Americans are sort of not in the, on the coast like we are or, or a huge population in the middle of America. They don't grow up as much wind as we do. Um, and I think they get used to playing shorter courses, not much wind, birdie festival, golf. And once it gets harder, like really hard, which the PGA Tour gets, gets that, Next level. They don't seem to step up as much as, and you know, Aussies, they've always played well in Florida, Aussies, mm. and where, where the wind blows, you know, lots of winners of the uh, tournament Players Championship, lots of winners of the Honda. Um, you know, for some reason, we always did well when it got harder. What do you think, Nick?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. The, the thing about, and someone brought this up, I think, during the week. Monday qualifiers, for instance, that get into PGA Tour events. To get into those PGA Tour events, you have to shoot seven, eight, nine under at times. Um, they have four spots on a Monday to try and get into tournaments. If you, and, and if you do that, you're obviously playing some incredible golf, but that's mm. 18 holes. Now, how many of those Monday qualifiers actually make the cut? It's very rare that anyone makes the cut. They always yes. shoot over par after that. You think, well, why is that? How yeah. They've just gone out and they've shot 8 or 9 under. However, yeah. those courses, they know it's a sprint. Yeah, in a way. So your mentality changes in that regard, and in many tours, it's the same. Yeah, pin positions aren't as tough. Golf courses aren't quite as tough. um you're, far, you're playing so aggressively, whereas out on the PGA Tour, the big tours, you have to play a bit more of a strategic, conservative style of play. And the other thing I think that comes along with it is, all of a sudden, you're surrounded by kind of megastars that you've been watching on TV as well. So yeah. it becomes a mental battle in that regard, and whether you belong or not is is the biggest thing, I think, to get over. Absolutely. Um, I don't know how it was for you when your first year out on tour or whatever, but for me, I stood on the range and saw – I was over in Europe and saw Langer and Faldo and Wusnam and, uh, you know, the elite of the elite, and yep. I'm thinking, jeez, do I really belong here?
3: Yeah. <laughs> One thought I had this week watching the, the at uh, Hilton Head, I stood on the range there, Vijay had just won the Masters, he's on my left, Ernie's on my right, and uh, – I did have to sort of pinch myself and go, you know, here we are, yeah. big boys all around. <laughs> and um, and uh, Ernie was trying to talk Vijay into going to the pub and just, let's get on it, but uh, <laughs> VJ didn't want a bar of it. Didn't want it,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, before we get on to Hilton, the, the, the third player, third Aussie that almost had a win was Kevin Yuan playing in the uh, International Series Vietnam, which is part of the Asian Tour. Now, if you do well in these international series, that can catapult you onto the Live Golf Tour, and we're going to talk a bit of Live Golf later on, obviously, with the uh, tournament coming up in Adelaide this weekend. Uh, Kevin's been playing beautifully over there. He, had a, he actually had a chance to get in the playoff, but unfortunately missed about a 12-foot birdie putt, and uh, Kieran Vincent ended up winning now. Kieran's brother, Scott won the Order of Merit last year, so now he is playing Liv. So you'll find there's a lot of players wow. going to the Asian Tour right yeah, now, I can yeah. tell you, and with good reason because the money's increasing with the, all the money that Liv's put in over there and uh, the incentive to get up, obviously, onto the Liv Tour is there as well. So uh, three you know, incredible performances by Australia around Australian golfers around the world there. But let's get on to uh, Harbour Town, the PGA Tour event. First of all, a fantastic finish. I mean, it's a designated event. Yeah. Uh, $20 million purse. And they've got these elevated events or designated events on the PGA Tour now, obviously, where they want their megastars to go. To start off the week, Rory McIlroy, mm. WD, a big withdrawal. Now, that was a big surprise because part of their rules is you're allowed one elevated or one designated event that you don't have to play. Mm-hmm. You can take a week off. However... I think Rory did it at the start of the week at Kapalua, start right. of the year at Kapalua. Right. He's already done his one. And then yes. obviously the Masters perform- performance missed yep. the cut and I think he's pulled a bit of a heart muscle, to be honest. <laughs> and he's it WD'd. Have... And I'll tell you what, he's copping some criticism from fellow players.
3: Especially when Rahm came out and did, said the opposite yes. and did the opposite. And he would have equally been absolutely worn out. Yeah, you can understand in He would have been really worn out. And look... I remember being on tour for five minutes, but uh, blinkers are on. Blinkers are on. Now that I'm off tour, a bit more mature, a bit more grown up. These guys are so important. What Ram did this week, whilst it doesn't seem like much, it's a huge it's a huge thing that he did. Playing through, well, it's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not you know curing cancer or anything, but it's it's a huge thing for the young guys in that area. People that were already booked tickets had booked hotels because they wanted to see him. And, you know, it, it, was, it was an awesome effort. So I think it made Rory look a little bit ordinary. Although Rory's probably got some um, brownie points with the PGA Tour <laughs> in, over the last 12 months because he's been there. He's been there talking
1: yep. man, he's has he? He's been the stand in commissioner, basically. Yeah. But at the same time, Rory, you know, he was the one that advocated for these designated events, elevated, yep. gets to get all the best players playing in the same tournaments together. He had a week off before the Masters, misses the cut at the Masters, Mm. and all of a sudden he goes, oh, no. And the thing is he's only going to play probably two out of the next five or six weeks, and one of those will be the PGA Championship, a major, and the other one probably is the Wells Fargo and Charlotte. So he's not going to be playing a lot of golf. No. It was a pretty poor form from what I saw from him and very surprising. And I'm sure in a, a week or so he will come out and say, I did it, you know, I probably shouldn't have. And, and maybe there were some personal reasons for it. I don't know. But the thing is, he never actually gave an explanation. No, he didn't. Apparently, he's taking a $3 million hit as far as the fine goes from the PIP money at the end of the year. But again, that's bonus money. Right. It doesn't, so it's not and, yours. And again, $3 million doesn't mean a lot to Rory McIlroy, I don't no, think, because he's no. you know worth, I don't know what he's worth now. It'd be close to a billion, I would imagine. Who knows? It's definitely well into the hundreds, wow. of mil- hundreds of millions, you would think, given the contracts and everything he's been doing. But yeah. uh, that was a pretty tough start to the week. And, yeah, fellow players like Xander Shoffley, Joel Damon, and Rahman with his comments yeah. <laughs> made him look pretty bad amongst your fellow players. However, it was a fantastic golf tournament. It was. Um, there was a couple of things, again, Went on from the previous week at the Masters, a bit of slow play issues from, you know, our number one candidate, yep. Patrick Cantlay. Yeah. And maybe my top
3: five a bit later on as well. <laughs> I'm going to go into that a bit. But... Uh, Chauflay. Xander. Xander. Mm-hmm. That thumb twitch, that that he he takes about 15 thumb goes before he pulls <laughs> the... Uh, so he's got a trigger with the right thumb. And I, I just can't watch it. It's just... So for you, it, it, I think Patrick Cantlay is on your um, oh. your hit list. <laughs>
1: oh, it's brutal. Well,
3: the problem is <laughs> there's a few of was, them out
1: there. Oh, there is. And and look, Spieth is a slow player as well, but he's fascinating to watch know, in a way because you just the conversation he's got going with his caddy. But yeah, and there was there was one shot I think it was on 14 on the back nine where um, actually they had Rahm doing some of the uh, commentary because they they and you talk about he being was good. worn out. He
3: was great. It's good. I mean, he's
1: won the Masters. He's Come and played the tournament, and then, then they've gone. Can you come back and you know talk Do for ten a while? minutes on the? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the talk booth. about yeah, going to get tired. But but he uh, was very good. I he thought. was great. Yeah, and he spoke about he could have buried Cantlay there as well because he played behind him in the group at the Masters uh, in the final round. So, but he didn't, and he said this is what's going to happen on the chip shots. Did a great thing, but Cantlay almost chips it into the water, stays up uh, between the wooden posts. Yes, and then it took him about four or five minutes to hit this next shot. Yeah, now. You know, we've been talking about slow play a little bit last week, but something needs to be done because think about it this way. I think uh, quicker play is a skill. Mm. If you think about every other sport like the NFL quarterback, for instance, Tom Brady, one of the reasons he's so great is because he can make decisions in a split second. And that's part of the skill of being good at whatever you're doing. Same go- goes now in, I mean, in basketball, they have a shot clock. Uh, baseball, they've brought in a shot clock for the pitcher because yep. they're trying to speed up the games. Yep. Uh, tennis, same thing with the serving. We need to do something in golf in that regard, I think, because yep. it's getting beyond a joke because, as you said earlier, you, could, you couldn't watch Xander Schauffele no. hit a ball. I can't watch Can- – whenever Cantlay gets on the tee, <laughs> I think, well, I've got a good 30 seconds here to just do something else and then <laughs> I'll just wander back and uh, and have a look. And sure enough, he hasn't hit it. No, oh, there he is again. I mean, the TV coverage, what they should start doing, or maybe they used to do it, was they kind of know
3: what's going to happen. They should just cut to him just as he pulls the club away. What should they do, though? What can they do? The reality is they've never really um, – they've always threatened, but they've never followed no. through. They've never um, pinned them. Yeah. They, and it can't be fines. Fines no. don't bother these guys. No. It's got to be stroke penalties. Yeah.
1: Now, th- there's two ways they can go about it. I think the rules officials have to be tougher – And they have to get some a rules official with every group. Give them the warning, and then go right. If you do it again, you're going to get a stroke penalty. Or I'd love to see them bring in a shot clock for every group. They did it in the European event a couple of years ago, where they and you could see players looking over, going, "Oh, jeez, I better hit this ball," you know. Now. The rules are at the moment 40 seconds to hit a ball if you're the first player, 50 seconds for the second. I wouldn't actually mind if they extended that out to 50 seconds in a minute and then mm. they had a shot clock there for the players and then all of a sudden that would become part of it. Because in tennis, I know when I watch tennis, if yeah. I'm watching it live, I'm looking over at the clock going, <laughs> oh, if he just you know, takes a couple extra bounces here, he's yeah. gone. You know, I think that had added amazing element to it and it would be mm. something for the viewers as well. And the other thing is it a bloody split-up play. Yes, because it's 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 horrible watching it sometimes. I hate to say
3: it. Could you could you make it a group thing? They've got to finish the hole, or they've got to get through the front nine in a certain amount of minutes, mm-hmm. or the the group are issued with a penalty. I mean that might be difficult because, well. If the whole field's slow, they're all getting a shot penalty <laughs> through
1: nine. I don't know. Well, that's not going to matter then, is it? But no. I, uh, the other thing, I, I think they should start name and shaming them, right? Naming yeah. and shaming. Like have it a have a stat slowest players on tour. Put it up on
3: the coverage. I think that'd be fantastic.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I do too. If you're doing a if you're doing a group thing, you wouldn't want to be partnering with Cantley, would you? <laughs> oh.
3: Well, <laughs> well, and it'd get ugly out there. They'd start abusing each other. That's, that's what it happened. Yeah.
1: Well, I had Spieth and Cantley in the same group, so that mm. was. I mean Fitzpatrick. He was. I don't know if you saw Billy Foster, his caddy, but there's a couple of cuts there on the coverage where he's got his, he's got his hand, you know, on his chin and he's yawning (laughs) and he's just going, well, I won't, you know, you you know exactly what he's thinking, but it was something like, oh bugger me, you know, gee, this is this is just horrific, and uh, I felt for Fitzpatrick because he's a very fast player, and the way he came through at the end, uh, uh, because let's get back to the tournament how it all unfolded. You know, Spieth played the front nine beautifully. Yeah, really good front nine. He's had a couple of shot lead there. I think midway through the back nine, and then all of a sudden, um, Fitzpatrick birdies fifteen and sixteen to draw level. Yeah, had a real good chance on seventeen. Great shot into seventeen. That pin on seventeen, they had it back in the left hand corner, and he's hit it left of the pin. I can guarantee he's pulled that about twenty feet. Well,
3: if you remember, Rahm said it literally looks like they cut that pin in the bunker, Mm. like. It's levitating. And that's what TV doesn't give you. <laughs> TV doesn't give you the difficulty of the pins they play on the PGA Tour. They really do. It's tight. It's super tight. And that tee box is a little bit lower than the green height. You got the wind that finally come out of the trees. It's one of the. It's really only your second shot. You're out amongst the wind again, mm. and that pin must have looked awfully scary to go at. Mm. And he did it. You know, he did it again in the playoff too. Yeah, didn't the he? playoff hit another great shot, and Spieth. He had a couple of chances. I mean, he what held about a, those putts? Oh, well, he
1: held a really good putt uh, in regulation to extend to get into the playoff, about a six-footer for par. And then that first one, I mean, I thought that was in. Nance was calling it. You could see him calling it on the coverage. Yeah. Uh, missed it. And then the next hole he had another good chance as well. And the shot that Fitzy hit into uh, the third playoff hole in 18. I mean, that's one of the shots of the year. And it was a 9 nine again like he
3: did at the US Open. I yeah. want to ask you a question mm. for our listeners who probably choke over <laughs> – putts to win matches for, you know, against their mates or to shoot a good round coming down the stretch. Jordan Spieth has one of the best putting strokes, I think, out there. It looks super smooth and he's a great putter under pressure. If you had had to watch what he was doing down the stretch, he'd get over it and he'd shake his shoulders out, he'd shake his arms out. He did it several times, especially as the pressure built. Mm. How would you handle pressure when you're putting? Those four footers down the hill, right to left for you, left to right, what would you do differently under pressure? I'm talking when you're nervous, your hands are a little mm. bit shaking. What would you do differently when you're putting? Nothing. Okay. That's the thing. You've stuffed that up for me, haven't you? <laughs> have a learned a load of thing there. <laughs> no,
1: but that's the secret though. What Don't do, it, do anything differently than what you normally do. Tiger Woods was the best at it. If you ask him, what do you do differently, you know, when the pressure's on the, the most, and he would say, nothing. i do it as though it's just a regular putt. Yep. Whereas if you build it up into your mind to be something else, then all of a sudden that's when the tension creeps in and, and things like that. I mean, breathing beforehand is really important because yep. you want to be as relaxed as you possibly can. Putting especially, if yeah. your hands are shaking and things like that, which we've all had shaking hands, but the more tension you have on that putter, on the putter grip, uh, the tougher it is to put a good stroke on it. So soft hands is really important. So before you get over the ball, I think breathing and just trying to relax the body is a real key. But then once you're over it, you've got to have a good routine. Yeah. And it's that last look at the hole, bring your eyes back to the ball, start the stroke. That's really important to make that as consistent as possible. If you stare at the ball for a very long time, that gets tough. Funnily enough with Spieth, I don't know if you've noticed, but when he has those shorter putts, anything within three or four feet, he looks at the hole. Mm. He doesn't look at the ball. Anything over four or five feet, he's looking at the ball. That's something interesting. I think for everyone to try. It is uh, as well on those pressure putts from shorter range.
3: So for me, you went from nothing changes, which is fair enough, but mm-hmm. really you've highlighted three things: soft hands, mm-hmm. which is really important under pressure. If you've got breathing through it and focus your mind on the target, mm-hmm. whereas most people would have tight hands worry about their putting stroke, I hope watch I the putter <laughs> go back, and then go, don't miss. Seriously, that's what people will do. Yeah, yeah. But for everyone out there, give this a chance to work, try mm. this under pressure, it'll help you. Oh, absolutely.
1: And uh, I putted my best when I didn't care if I made or missed the putt. Yeah. Very, very difficult mindset to get into in it that it is. regard. So it's all about process rather than results. So um, maybe that's uh, a masterclass for another time. I've done a, we're going to do a different masterclass uh, later on, but uh, what a finish by Fitz. I mean, yep. uh, that 9-9 he hit, I mean, he's loving his 9-9 at the moment. He hit yes. that 9-9 fairway bunker shot at the US Open to win last year, 9-9 to about, what was it, six inches, something yes. like that. And yes. uh, and he said, you know, he's been going there ever since he's six years old. Yeah, I saw been, that, really. yeah. So, and Hilton Head, I mean, if you ever get the chance to go over there, you've played there obviously, but yeah. to the listener out there, if you ever get the chance, it is a wonderful town. And uh, South Carolina people there, you know, they're, they're just – Hospitality is incredible. I remember, yeah. the, I remember the caddies one year; they took the Mickey out of a lot of the local people because the the dress over there. And
3: I'm, I don't know if you yes. remember.
1: You know, you go to like the seafood places and they've got the smash crabs going and all this. But, yeah. but the dress was the boat shoes. You, know, the, you remember <laughs> yes. the, the, the loafers? Yes. No socks. The uh, the tartan shorts or the yes. pleated. What do you call it? Pleated shorts. Um, long sleeve shirt of some sort, and then. The jumper draped over, oh, the, yes. over the shoulder. I think Mark yeah. Allen might be good at this sort of a look actually <laughs> where, where the sleeves come over and then you've got the aviators or the, the yep. Ray-Bans or whatever. And the caddies one year, they went to a local restaurant. There was about 10 of them all dressed up identically just to take the mickey out of, of the local scene now. Yep. Probably the locals thought, oh, well, that's natural, but all the golfers that were in the restaurant, they couldn't no. stop themselves from laughing. No, it no, it's, it is
3: pretty um, crazy.
1: Righto. Okay, we have got to talk Live Adelaide coming up shortly, but for now we're going to go to the turn, uh, have a bit of a beverage, uh, a sandwich or something. What's your favourite uh Craig, after nine holes. A beverage. When, well, yeah.
3: What, what are <laughs> to you a tournament these days. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> Probably a Corona or a Heineken. <laughs> oh, I think we talked about that last week, didn't we? Yeah, that's fair enough. But what if, what if you were playing a tournament? Well, I'd, I'd be just drinking water and okay. uh, Gatorade. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Fair enough. Which is boring. Yeah, very. You oh, know? Well, let's go and a, the Corona. And I'd be going bananas and, um, and you know, trail mix all, all the way. way around. All right. Well, we're making the turn and we'll uh, be back with more after this.
2: Hey Nick, I know you've heard of the Watch My Numbers app. It is brand new and it is going to dominate the golf app scene for a long, long time. If you want to improve your game, you need to know the areas you're doing well in and where you need to improve. And this app will tell you exactly that, Nick. Yeah, you're spot on, Mark. It's the most powerful database golf app in the world and it helps
1: analyse and improve your game like never before because it uses real-time data from your rounds And highlights the areas of your game that you want to look at.
2: You get actionable and usable info in minutes, not hours. That's really important. It's easy to use. You can set up your profile very quickly. I've done mine. And start accessing data and subscriber-only content straight away. Hmm. Who's it aimed at? Well, it's aimed at people who want to improve their game. It's for all levels of Every golfer out there, particularly powerful if you're a mid to low handicapper, but it's great for the elite level and pros as well. So elite and pros as well. I like that. Watch my numbers, download it from the app store and turn your bogeys in the birdies. Now, if you haven't checked out the golf clearance outlet, then you, I can guarantee you this, are missing out. And if you have, well, you know what we're talking about. Great time to drop in because with all the new equipment released in January, good old Sam at the Golf Clearance Outlet is licking his lips because the stores are chock full of 2023 branded clearance product. And you know, that was a hell of a year for golf equipment, Nick. You're spot on there, Mark. There's heaps of gear for righties,
1: of course. But as you know, I am a lefty, so there's a heap of gear for lefties Mm -hmm. as well. And plenty for both men and women. And... If you're after a great
2: prezi idea, you can get gift cards in-store or online. So if you're looking for great golf gear and great prices, the Golf Clearance Outlet needs to be in your plans to go and check it out. See the team in-store at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth or online golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. It's that simple, Nick. Can't wait. Hang on, hang on, Nick. I thought you were righty-putting now.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're listening to Nico Hearn and guest co-host Craig Spence. If you're enjoying the pod, share it with a friend and help spread the word. This is the Talk Birdie To Me Podcast.
1: Okay, so we've made the turn and uh, we're on to the back nine. Uh, Craig, I don't know if you were following social media. I know you're not a big social media guy, but
3: Craig Norman was making some rounds the last few days. He was. He was everywhere. I am at social media. I don't post anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's my uh, introverted... uh, but yeah, he That's was okay. everywhere. Fifth Fifth West, Royal mm-hmm. Melbourne. He's an honorary member there. Yep. So that was fantastic. Nearly holds it. I Saw it almost hit the pin. Hits
1: I, the pin. I uh, I was up at uh, Cathedral on I think it was Friday, and I walk into the locker room. There he is, Greg Norman, the great man who designed the golf course Cathedral. Had a bit of a chat uh, about all things uh, live coming up in Adelaide, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to see. I haven't seen him in a long time. He's. I tell you what, he's fit. What'd you talk about? Oh, just. You know, how's it all going? Yeah. Um, and he yeah. said, oh, it's fantastic. It's going great. <laughs> Obviously, he's got to say that as the uh, the CEO of Live Golf. And um, I said, well, I'll, I'll see you there in Adelaide because I'm going to be doing the radio for SEN yep. uh, on the weekend, which will be a bit of fun. Great. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the whole Live Golf thing? I mean, it's caused such a divide in golf at the moment.
3: It has. I've enjoyed Aspects of it, for sure. I mean, for instance, you know, we've been starved of the best players in this country. We've been lucky to have the President's Cup here once every, you know, 10 years or 8 to 10 years. And I was just looking through the, uh, the list, you know. It's unbelievable, really. We haven't had a field like this with DeChambeau and Sergio and Brandon Grace and Charles Howell Third and Dustin Johnson. I could just keep going. Mm-hmm. Phil Mickelson, obviously. Um, Brooks Kepka we've just got the best some of the best players in the world are going to be in Adelaide there wouldn't be in Adelaide if it were not for live now if we could get to a place where this this you know the live does stand the test of time which we don't know yet and are able to come down and spread their um, their schedule out a bit longer and stay for two or three weeks imagine getting a field like this for two to three weeks every single year it'd be a, it'd be a game changer in some ways Um It'd be great for young blokes to be able to go. Hey, I'm going to either Adelaide, Sydney, or Melbourne, wherever they tend to play, and um, and look at the best players in the world. And and it can't be a bad thing, could it? No, no. I, I I'm I'm actually looking forward. I mean, uh, people have often
1: asked me about Lib. What, what do you think? And I've I'm sort of I follow my star sign. I'm a Libra, right? So you yes. know, I'm, I'm a scales. So you got to balance the scales. Yes. and uh, I I sit in the middle. Uh, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm yeah. Obviously played the PGA Tour and been a PGA member for a long time and. Uh, and so I see, you know, the traditional side of the game. I love the 72-hole format and everything. The live um, format, I'm not that enamoured with. The 54 holes, the shotgun, yeah, whatever. You know, it's not my cup of tea, but at the same time, I don't, blame the players for doing what they've done, especially players like Mark Leishman. Yeah. You know, his best golf's behind him. He knows that and he can set up his family for a long, long time. Cam Smith was one that surprised me. Yes. Um, Given him, he was in the prime of his career and time will tell what sort of effect that will have on him going forward. Obviously, this season hasn't been the best for him. Um, but this event coming up in Adelaide, I think for Australian golf, for kids getting into the game to be able to get up a close and personal and see these players, I think it'll be fascinating. And some of my friends that I've spoken to, they're going yeah. I mean, they're flying over and they're going to go have a look and, yeah. uh, and, uh, I'll be, I'm interested to see how it all goes. Yeah. Um, as far as I heard, they've got a bit of a party hole or they're calling it the watering hole. They're playing it at the Grange golf course. Yeah. It's going to be a composite of the East and the West. And Grange is a great track.
3: It is a great track.
1: Really, really
2: good. I was
3: just thinking these guys play a lot of the same style courses. Even when they travel overseas, they tend to go, you know, if they go through Asia, they tend to be golf courses that have been designed by Americans. Very similar type of American golf courses. They come to Australia, they're going to get Australian golf courses Mm. and I think they'll love it. And, uh, the Grange is going to set up beautifully. I don't know what the weather forecast, they haven't even looked, like, looked at it. Hopefully it's not too bad. Hopefully they don't get that squally, you know, mm. cold southerlies coming up. But um, they're going to have to be straight off the tee. It's not an easy golf course off the tee from my, from what I remember. You know, aspects of it are, are wider, but there's some tight holes there. Small greens, small traditional greens. So it's going to be a good test for those guys Um They're going to have to bring every aspect of their game.
1: Yeah, I I remember playing some pro-ams there. I've never played a big event there. I think it was the site of where Norman won his first uh, professional tournament back in the late 70s. Uh, uh, Westlakes. Westlakes Classic, yes, exactly. And they've held a couple of uh, Women's Australian Opens there in the last seven or eight years, I believe. So the course is going to be uh, something I think the Americans especially and the international players will really remember. I know know, when players like Tiger Woods and that come down here, they they just – love seeing the, the Aussie style of golf and the Grange almost has a bit of a sand belt-ish type feel to it in some way, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, especially the greens and the bunkering. Yeah. Not as wide off the tee as, as to what we, some of the courses we have here in Melbourne, but uh, overall, who knows what's going to happen. And they're going to have, what, fifty 000 to 60,000 people out there. Apparently, they've sold all the tickets. I don't know if that's true or not, but you get that amount of people on the golf course over three days, not not four. Uh, we're in for a Quite a spectacle, I'd
0: say. I just did the weather for you guys. Friday, That's Saturday, it. Sunday, 21, 22, 24, oh. no rain, light winds, sunny.
3: That is awesome. You brought up a good point. I think that Adelaide is the most like the sand belt outside of Melbourne because mm. Sydney is definitely not. Um, a lot more kikuyu grass up there. But Adelaide, you get on Royal Adelaide, you get on Kuyonga, Grange, you get that same bouncy, um, strategic. You have to sort of be able to play the ball low, fade it in the right shape into the greens, um, work the tee shots both ways. A very sandbelty. I think maybe carrying up in Perth is similar. Yeah, and I am jumping bit. off off track here yeah, a little sure. bit, but what I am excited about is even though it's not going to be in Melbourne, because I love showcasing, you know, sandbelt golf. It's next, it's as it's as good as virtually. Mm. It'll
1: yep. be it'll be huge. Yeah, there's four great courses I think in uh, in Adelaide. You've got uh, Royal Adelaide, obviously, uh, Keonga, mm. uh another uh, the Grange, which Grange. has the two, and then Glenelg is uh, meant to be very very good. I've been a long time since I've played there, but. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating week. And to see this calibre of field come down and, and entertain everyone because it's going to be more of a party, really. I mean, that's the whole style of golf. What do they call it? Uh, golf but louder? Yes, they, they have do. the music. I they mean, do. the young people, I think they're going to have a blast.
3: How do you think? Because golf has had a real, um, uh, as we know from COVID, it's gone off the charts, really, in terms of participation. How do you think the media are going to pick up on the event this way. How, how big do you think it's going to be?
2: Ooh,
1: that is an interesting one because I, I think media-wise it'll be massive. I really do. Um, you know, obviously the PGA Tour in the US, they're, they're the ones that have sort of been um, not in favour of all this that's going on. The PGA of Australia here, well, then they're staying fairly silent on it. I'm not exactly sure what their position is uh, one way or the other, but, you know, they Obviously, because they have the strategic alliance with uh, or the partnership with the PGA Tour, they're probably in their sort of footsteps as well. So, from their side of things, it'll be fairly quiet. But I think from the general public and the people that just want to see good golf played by great players, mm. um, I think it should be very, it should be front page and back page. To be honest, it's been a big couple of weeks for Adelaide with the football too over it the weekend. Has. I mean, sure they're just having a blast over oh. there at the moment, aren't they? They are. It's just brilliant. Yeah, the oh, gather man. round was great. Oh yeah, absolutely. Righto, time for the top five. And this week, in honour of our slower players out on tour, (laughs) Patrick Cantley, that we watched on the weekend, I've gone for the top five slowest players. Now, it's kind of ones that I've played with, but I've got one in here that I haven't, mainly because uh, it's a a woman golfer who I've seen and it kind of drives me nuts to watch her. So, starting at number five, I hate to say it, but it is Jordan Spieth because uh, he is one of the slowest players out there. However, he's one of my favourite slowest players to watch because yeah. the conversation he has with his caddy, Michael Grella, is just fascinating. And <laughs> In the playoff, I think it was on the, um, might have been the final, final playoff hole. It took about two minutes to hit the shot because mm-hmm. a minute 30 of that was talking to his caddy. And then once he gets over the ball, it's like four or five looks up at the target and he's, he's taken a while to do it. So uh, he's a tough one to watch. But uh, at the same time, he's not a bad slow player.
3: Yeah, he's one of the more interesting guys yeah. out there these days. Yeah.
1: I'm going to ask who uh, one of your slow players oh. is too shortly, Craig. So. <laughs> okay, know, number four. Um, this is, uh, yeah, JB Holmes. I don't know if you remember JB. Very, very long hitter. Once he was over the ball, he was very quick. However, he would take about 13 practice swings, <laughs> whether it was a drive or a chip or something. My goodness, it used to drive me nuts. And I don't know if you remember, he played Tory Pines one year and in the final group. I think he took about two and a half minutes to hit a shot where he laid up. I mean, it was one of the most ridiculous oh. things you've ever seen. And wow. It was horrible. If it went for the green, you might go, okay, but, yeah, it wasn't good. That's number four. Uh, is that what I said, number four? Yep. Uh, next on the list, my number three, plays on the LPGA Tour. She uh, has been out for medical issues, but she's back now playing, I believe, uh, Danielle Kang. I don't know if you've seen Danielle play, but, my goodness, she's slow. Uh, very tough to watch on the coverage from my perspective. She's one of the players that has the line on the ball and sometimes it takes three or four goes to line it up on the green and oh my goodness and yeah that's a tough one for me so uh, sorry Danielle but um, when I'm watching golf with you on it I tend to look away for a while until I know you're probably going to hit the ball. (laughs) Uh, she was number three. Number two is uh, he made the top five. Uh, he was number one last week actually on the uh, over 50s. Was Bernard Langer, yes? <laughs> oh, Bernard can take some time two weeks in a row. for old Bernard, he's <laughs> doing yeah. well. it was good last week, but this this is not a top five you really want to make. But uh, he's yeah, he loves he's to... an anchorer
3: last week. He's it a... is,
1: <laughs> yeah, he anchored the putter. And yeah, well, maybe we'll do a top five anchoring, but uh, no, he was. He's one of the slowest players out on tour. Has to go over every number, every stat before he hits a golf shot. And, oh, geez, it's uh, it's tough to watch. And, of course, who could number one be none other than Mr. Patrick Cantlay? Oh, oh. Yeah, I saw, uh, I think, on the ninth green of the tournament, he took over a minute to hit a four-foot putt.
3: Mm.
1: He got over it, and then he had to back away and then restart. And, oh, my goodness, it was tough to watch. But yeah. uh, no surprises there with Mr. Cantlay. And, you know, he posted on Twitter during the week uh, he had a hole in one. And he got a fair bit of criticism uh, last week from the Masters. So he uh, he had a hole in one on the seventh hole, might have been on the Thursday or Friday, and he posted on Twitter, Hey, I'm trying to speed up the game. Nice, <laughs> nice. But I think he might, cop might a get bit a few more likes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have. Uh, so he sort of knew, tongue in cheek, that he might be a bit slower. But tell you what, it didn't help him on the weekend. So uh, there's
3: my number one, Craig. You got any? I got one. I think. All right, far away from a while back. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when um, was it? Ben Crane? Oh yes. And Rory Sabatini, Sabatini yeah, yeah. they almost came to blows about five <laughs> times. But Ben Crane was very methodical, wasn't yeah. he? And he was driving everyone nuts. He was a shocker. Yeah. And he also wore that huge hat which didn't really come off very well. So, <laughs> no, that's true. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to throw him in. Yeah. There's another guy, Glenn Day as well.
1: I used to call him Glenn all day because (laughs) he took all all day to play. I like that. Okay, so that's our top five for this week. I would love to hear uh, anyone I might have missed or Craig might have missed uh, on the socials. Please let us know. And now it's time for our Masterclass. (laughs) Okay, the Masterclass this week, uh, it really is – I guess you could say, about Matt Fitzpatrick and his shot into the final hole. And the thing that really I did notice was how once he gets over the ball, he fires straight away. He reacts to the target. The thing about golf I find is it's one of the toughest sports mentally because the ball isn't moving. It just sits there. Most other sports, the ball is moving. Football, baseball, basketball, tennis, you name it. So players are able to react to the ball. Now in golf, because it just sits there, well – it's hard to react and mm. uh, I think uh, what you need to do is whatever, whether you're hitting a putt or a chip or a tee shot, an iron shot, whatever, after you take your last look up at the target, as soon as you bring the eyes back to the ball, try and start your swing or your stroke straight away. The more you delay there, the more you just stare at the golf ball, Yeah, that's when the doubts can creep in and you start overthinking. Mm. So... As you take your last look, bring your eyes back to the ball, start your swing straight away, and that will, number one, improve your rhythm to your swing or your stroke and your putting. And it'll also, because there's no real thoughts going on, you're reacting, you'll make a much more committed swing or stroke.
3: How would you recommend someone start to practice that? Because mm. a lot of people, they would feel like they're rushing on the golf course. Mm. How do they take, Go to the driving range, practice it there first, have a look out at the red flag or whatever you're aiming at, Bring your eyes back to the ball, pull the trigger fairly quickly. Yes, absolutely. A good way to practice it is actually
1: start your swing as or putting stroke, whatever you're working on, before your eyes arrive.
3: Yes. So as your eyes that are coming back. That takes practice, though.
1: Well, you can just start by doing it. Just go, oh, okay, I'm looking up, yeah, and as your eyes are coming back, you haven't spotted the ball, just start the backswing. Yep. And what you'll find is the, your eyes will locate the ball very quickly and then you'll just swing through. You might surprise yourself. I think yep. you'll putt better for sure because there's a lot less thinking going on. The full swing, it might take some tweaking, but I wouldn't actually do that out on the golf course. That's just a practice drill, but that's one way to get you starting your swing uh, much sooner and it will kind of get rid of all those extra thoughts that you have while you're staring at the ball. Mm. Beautiful. All right, so there it is. That's our Masterclass for this week. Uh, thank you, Craig, for coming in. I'm going to, uh, to be sh- in. shoot out the video uh, on the socials of that Masterclass. But, mate, it's always uh, great to have you here and to chat and uh, look forward to you watching more golf down the line. I
3: want to see you on the weekend or listen to you on the weekend. Yes. and uh, it would be interesting to see how it goes. Thanks for having me in again. Thanks, mate.
0: Live from the Australian Golf Centre, home of the PGA of Australia and Golf Australia, that was Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen's podcast, Talk Birdie To Me, with our special guest co-host today, Craig Spence, 14-year touring pro and winner of the 1999 Australian Masters. That's not bad. Talk Birdie To Me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound design by Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com.